be looking in Psalm 33. If you would like to uh, open your Bibles to that passage and read along, we'll have most of what we're going to look at, uh, as opposed to this morning where I took you on a tour all around tonight, we're going to stay right here. Psalm 33, for the most part, Psalm 33, and a message I call, When the Upright Get It Right. When the Upright Get It Right. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. If you're reading along in the old King James, you'll see the word comely. Uh, Praise from the upright is comely. That uh, is a word that means uh, attractive, something that looks good. It's what you say when uh, your wife gets a a new haircut. Oh, that looks good. You do say that, don't you? Uh, I love your hair, honey. It looks so nice. Uh, You better say that. If you don't, uh, good things are not going to happen. It is uh, what we say when someone looks... Uh, particularly nice. I mean, they have something that looks attractive on them, and and you can make that remark. Uh, well, that suit looks real nice. Uh, somebody told me this morning. I love that tie. That just looks so good. And it, it, it's good for us to hear somebody say that. That looks good. That looks good on you. It is attractive. I want you to know tonight. This passage tells us that praise looks good. On God's people. Praise looks good on God's people. I suppose that every parent who has ever raised children at some point in time in your life and experience, you have told that child, Do you want your face to get stuck that way? Normally they're pouting and all frowned up. How would you like to have to look like that for the rest of your life? Something to that effect. And uh, we know, uh, we certainly are familiar with the concept of of what it means to warn somebody. You You don't want to look like that all the time. There is something wonderfully attractive about the praise of God coming from God's people. When we can face the world then with a good spirit, with a positive attitude, And give praise then to God. Uh, Give thanks to Him. Openly, unashamed, unafraid. You might say, well, you don't know where I work. I know it can be difficult at work. But you can sneak in a praise God and thank you, Jesus, every now and then. Part of the reason why that I was looking at this message this week, I got it on my mind, is because I... I saw the story of of a little girl uh, who went to school with a mask, and uh, her mask uh, said, Jesus loves me. That's all it said. Jesus loves me. And she had to take it off. And uh, they didn't allow her to, to wear that at school. Jesus loves me. And I thought, you know, have are we really getting to that place where... Uh, just the, the simple love of a child for the Lord Jesus and her acknowledgement. Sweet little girl. 
Uh, you might, you've probably seen that. You may have seen it uh, on social media. I didn't. I actually had it emailed to me uh, as I was asked to make a contribution to somebody that, or legal defense fund or something. I don't remember now how it came. Uh, it is definitely a different world out there now. Uh, but just because there is opposition to us praising the Lord doesn't mean that we have to play along. Just because the world might say, well, we don't want to hear that, doesn't mean that they don't need to hear that. There is something about the praise of God that is incredibly powerful. I love the story in the Old Testament where uh, the people of God were going into a battle and God told them to send the singers out before the soldiers came. That, they were praising their way to victory. <laughs> uh, a great story. Uh, I love the passage, even though it is a sad and somber passage here in the Psalms where they said that they hung their harps on the willows because as they passed over the river Shivar going into Babylon, they hung their harps on the willows because he said those that carried us away captive compelled of us a song and said to us, sing us one of the songs of Zion. They were famous for their song. Some churches are known as singing churches and uh, I think probably Faith Baptist is, is getting somewhat of a reputation for that and that's a good thing. There's a lot of things that church can get a reputation for don't you want to be a church that has a reputation for praising God? For being the kind of people that just love Jesus and love God and love people. And, and we're not ashamed to tell people that we do. We praise the Lord. Praise from the upright looks good. It is attractive. Um, the world is full of complaints it seems like these days. And it comes from all different kinds of sources. And I'll have to admit I've done my share, especially over the last 12 months. It's been easy to get into complaining mode for me. Have you had that spirit maybe a little bit too? It's easy to get into the complaining mode. I think it's time for us to get in praising mode. We're headed into Easter Sunday. It's that great season. There's not a more uh, an easier time to talk about Jesus Christ and invite people to church than Easter Sunday. But don't you want people to come in here on Easter Sunday morning and see this place filled with people who are praising Jesus and worshiping Him? Now, I use the term filled advisedly. I understand we can only fill to half capacity. I understand that. I don't know how it's going to work. Uh, I've, uh, I'd like to see us fill up at least two services on Easter Sunday morning. Uh, when this all happened so many months ago, a year ago now, and we were shut down for seven weeks. Yes, I counted. I did. I'm not complaining. It's just uh, that relating historical facts. We were planning on then restoring our services. We'd heard so much about everybody who couldn't wait to come back to church. And our staff will bear me out on this. We actually plan for that first Sunday back to have three services if we needed them. We didn't need them. But wouldn't it be great to have to have three on Easter Sunday? Wouldn't that be great? Have two, fill them both up. Maybe have some overflow seating in the fellowship hall. I don't know. Hey, I can dream, can't I? This COVID mess has knocked us down long enough. I'm praying and asking God, God, I, I want to see 
I want to I, I see God's people raising the roof again <laughs> and, and just filling this place up with the praise of God because it's powerful. But if it's going to come out of us, you understand, it's got to be in us. we got to have it on the inside. And if all we're focusing on is all the negativity, if all we're focusing on in Washington, I'm going to tell you something, you can't find praise hardly anywhere in Washington right now if that's where you're looking. Uh, no offense to anybody, Republican or Democrat. I'm just telling you, if that's where you're looking to find something praiseworthy, you're not going to find a lot of praise looking at Washington. But I'll tell you what, our God is still on the throne. We can look a lot higher than Washington. Look to the one who's really in charge. And when we look to him, we find a whole lot to praise. And that's really what this psalm is all about. Uh, we're not the first ones of God's people that's gone through some dark times. We're not the first ones of God's people who faced opposition. This is not anything new to us. Uh, the psalmist David certainly had some hard times. He had a whole lot of hard times. Apparently, even his family was a pretty tough spot. How would you like it if Samuel came to visit, told your daddy, one of your boys is going to be king, bring them all in. And there was one boy you didn't even bother to bring. How would you like to be that boy? That was David. David. Psalmist was not unfamiliar with hard times. He was not unfamiliar with difficult circumstances. He was not under, uh, unfamiliar with what it was like to face a determined adversary out to do him harm. But in the midst of his difficulties, he thought of God. He thought of the Lord, and he found some wonderful things to praise God about. And I, I want us to share them. One thing about God, you know that the reasons... Uh, to praise God or as infinite as He is. Uh, our infinite, everlasting God without limit who knows all things, is all-powerful, is present everywhere. Uh, we'll never run out of something to praise when we're coming to God. But, but the psalmist identifies four specific things in our text tonight that I want to share with you. This isn't something new for you. I'm just trying to, to kind of prime your pumps a little bit tonight. To give you a little bit more to praise God about. To be thinking about. Getting in praise mode. Getting ready for next Sunday. <laughs> this Sunday. But Sunday's coming. What do we praise God for? Well, first of all, we praise Him because His word is right. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. For praise from the upright is beautiful. For Verse 4. For the word of the Lord is right. The word of the Lord is right. When it comes to the word of God today, we are talking about the Bible, the scriptures. And it is a blessed privilege that we have, an amazing privilege that we have, that the word of God is available to us in the way that it, that it is. You understand and realize that generations of God's people lived without having a copy of a Bible, not a single one. And then it became a little bit more prevalent and in this country, in the history, not maybe of your grandparents, but certainly in your grandparents' parents, when Bibles became easier to come by, but still, they didn't call it a family Bible for nothing. Most families had one. They gathered around that family Bible then, and they read it together. It's a wonderful thing to have God's Word. It's precious. They knew it. 
As they learned to read then, they were able to read the Word of God. Well, literacy is, is, is still a problem in some parts, yes, of our own country. But for the most part, we are a literate people. We can read and we have unprecedented access to the Word of God. Most of us have several copies. Several. If you're like me, you've got one or two that so wore out that you're almost afraid to pick them up anymore. Pages are brittle. Just worn out. And I'm going to tell you something. When you wear out a Bible, that is not a bad thing. You do understand that, don't you? You say, well, I should have taken better care of it. No, <laughs> Bibles are made to be worn out. I'm not sure how long it'll take to wear out one of these things. I'm still working on this one. This one's six years old, and it's still going strong. And I've dropped it a time or two, and it's still going strong. we got those things that we carry around our phone. It's so easy to download the Word of God. It's amazing. But listen, when we're holding the Word of God in our hand, there is something that we can praise God about because this is one thing in our life that is absolutely dependable and absolutely trustworthy. It has been the same ever since Jesus Christ gave it to us. He promised heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And we have then the word of God. We have the words of Jesus Christ. We have the words of the apostles. And we're not reading something that has been updated or upgraded. It's the same. It's the same. Now, I'm not uh, denying tonight that there's not different translations. There are. Some of them read a little bit different. There is. I understand that. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the truth that is contained there. And that truth continues on. We have to guard in a way against all of the changes that are being made because some of them, and certainly as we go forward, there's going to be a lot of objectionable passages in the Word of God that somebody is going to come out. And in fact, they're already doing that. Coming out with versions that take all those objectionable things away. That's why I've always told people to kind of hang on to your old King James Bible. You need one. You say, I can't read it and understand it. It doesn't hurt you to learn. Get you a new King James or an MEV. They're all translated from the same text. But you can hold on to those because they're dependable. You can compare new things that come along and see where there's been innovations or changes. I wish I didn't have to warn you about things like that, but I do. Chances are tonight that there have been times in your life when no comfort was available to you except the truth of God. No help seemed to be available to you except the promises of God. But in that time when you really needed the truth of God and you really needed the promises of God, isn't it amazing how those things just come flooding into your mind and your heart? That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Bringing God's truth in to bear at just the time when we need it. But of course, in order to do that, you have to have a working familiarity with the Word of God. And that's where reading it and studying it and listening to it preached and taught comes into play. I can't encourage you enough. Uh, to read and study the Word of God, to learn it and to learn its truth because it is trustworthy and it is dependable. There'll be times when we need direction. The Word of God gives us that. Times when we need to know which way to go 
The Word of God gives us that. God's Word is right. And we can praise Him then because His Word is true. His Word is right. His Word is trustworthy. We praise Him then because His works are right. Psalm 33 and 4, And all His work is done in truth. The word of the Lord is right, and all of his work then is done in truth. We understand when we look out at the world today that we don't see the world as God made it all together because the curse has affected everything about this planet. And yet even though sin affects everything in the material universe and everything in the universe has come under the curse of sin as the Bible teaches us, it's still a really neat place. Isn't it? Every now and then I try to imagine, just let my mind run loose and imagine what it must have been like to have been Adam and Eve before the fall. And what the universe would have looked like. What the world would have looked like before the curse came. I can tell you one thing. I'm not sure that there wasn't ticks and mosquitoes around, but if they did, I don't think they'd bite you and torment you. I'm not sure... Uh, All that came out, the Bible says that thorns and thistles would come out of the earth, and apparently there wasn't any before then. Or if they did, they didn't trouble God's people the way that they do. So many things about our world as we see it now is not the way that it was originally created. And yet still, the beauty of this universe is astounding. God's work is right. The order that God has designed into the universe is still readily apparent to us day after day, night after night, week after week, month after month, season after season. And for all of the trouble that the snow bought us, wasn't it pretty, at least for a day or two? Wasn't it beautiful to be able to look out and see the snow-covered world? Things like that, when we see the sunrise, when we see the sunset, when we see the changing of the seasons, when we see the the green and and the blue, (laughs) we look at the ocean and, and the mountains, we see in all of those things expressions of the truth of this passage. God's work are right. And though the curse has come on the creation, it's still, it's still gives praise to God and it is designed then to make us praise God but there's more to it God is at work also not in just the creation around us and and that's even strongly enumerated in the text if you'll read along in Psalm 34 you'll see it but God is also working in us and on us some of the times that things happen in our lives we might wonder if if this was really right thing to happen to us we might question some of the things that go on honestly if we're honest with ourselves some of the times uh, the way that we end up questioning the things that God does is is not so much on what he does side but on what he doesn't do there are things that we really really think God should do and we really really ask him to do And we're really serious about it. And we really are sincere about it. And this is something that means a lot to us. We cry out to God. But He doesn't do 
sometimes what we want him to do. Sometimes he, he does things that we don't want him to do. And yet at the end of the day, we can praise him because his works are right. A very good friend of mine, he's a chaplain at a hospital, shared with me this week of a time when he was called into a hospital uh, to deal with a grieving mother who had lost her 17-year-old son in a tragic accident. He went in, went, walked in the room. He was there, of course, helped the mother get in. He watched as she reached over and touched her lifeless body of her son. And he heard something going on. At first, he couldn't understand what it was. She was making, saying something, something. He said, I didn't know at first what it was. And he leaned in a little closer. He said she reached over. She had her son in one hand, and she reached over and grabbed his hand in the other and he could make out what she was saying. When you don't move the mountain, I'm asking you move. When you don't part the water that I'm needing to walk through, I will trust. I will trust. I will trust in you. Those of you who don't know that song, you ought to Listen to it every now and then. That's a song. But at a time of inexpressible grief, the song became her prayer. And all she could say was, I'm trusting in you. Some of the darkest times that we have in life, we can cling to this passage. His work is done in truth. We praise Him because His works are right. I will trust, I will trust, I will trust in you. So we praise Him because His word is right. And we pray him because, praise Him then because His work is right. We praise him then because he loves the right. Verse 5, he loves righteousness and justice. Righteousness is easy to define. That's simply the expression of doing right. It's doing the right thing. It's doing the right thing in God's sight. It's uh, uh, righteous, doing right. Justice uh, is when we treat people fairly. We treat people right. That's justice when things are right. God loves, first of all, righteousness. Now, what do we say when we say, I love? You can say a lot of things. I love apple pie. I, I do. I love apple pie. Mm. What's that mean? It means I really, really love apple pie. I say, well, I love crappie fishing. What's that mean? I love, I love deer hunting. What's that mean? It means I love deer hunting. I love my grandkids. Different kind of love. Uh, different thing. I've just said, but it's still something. I love sports. I love this. We say it a lot. What does God love? God loves righteousness. God loves to see people doing right. He loves it. That's not always the case in the world that we live in. It does not always applaud the people who tell the truth. It doesn't always applaud the people who do the right thing. But God does. 
God does. There'll be a time in your life when you have to do the right thing. Even though it's difficult, even though it's hard, even though it's complicated, even though it's not popular, even though it puts you on the spot, there'll be times when you have to do the right thing. There'll be times when you do the right thing and you're criticized then for doing the right thing. We have a saying. We say nice guys finish last. One of the reasons we say that is because a lot of times doing the right thing actually ends up costing us. A lot of people in this world are on the get by mode. You know what I'm saying? Just doing what they have to do. Whatever it has to be. Uh, you have to do, you know, you have to go along to get along, we say. And, and a lot of people in the world locked into that. And so here's somebody then who's going to do what's right. Regardless of the cost, regardless of the consequences, I am going to do what's right. The world may not like that very much. It might get you in a tough spot. It might cost you your job. It might cost you some business. Has it ever cost you to do what's right? Most of us could say, yep, time or two. I want you to know tonight that God loves when his people do right. God loves righteousness. And that's one of the things we can praise him about. Because while other people might not appreciate us doing right, and doing right might get us in hot water with somebody else, God sees when we do right and he loves it. And that's something we can just say, thank you, God, because you love when people do right. But he also loves it when we treat people fairly. And that's a more complicated issue for us. It's hard to know sometimes what is a, a fair thing to do. One person's idea of fairness is, is not another person's idea of fairness. But most of the time, as God's people especially, we can figure that out. And God loves it then when we make it our commitment, make it our goal, just to try to do right, to treat people right. God loves this. And he's on the side of those who do right and those who do justice, those who treat others fairly. Aren't you glad that God doesn't flip-flop around like so many things in the world? So that something is good and fine and right and we're treating somebody right, we think, one day. And then the next day we turn around and all of a sudden that's not right anymore. We say something one day and it's fine. We grew up saying something one day, all our life maybe. But now all of a sudden the standards have changed. And saying something like that or doing something like that can get you called... uh, Hateful or racist or bigoted, all kinds of things. God's standards don't change. God loves right. God loves justice. And he loves it then when we do right. And he loves it when we are treating people fairly. Even though the world's standards may change, his does not. And so we can praise God for that. We can praise God because his word is right and trustworthy. We can praise God because his work is right. We can praise God because he loves the right. He loves it when people do right and when people do the right things and and do fair things and treat people fairly. Lastly, we we praise him because he, he does us right. He does us right. 
Psalm 33 and 5, the last part of that passage says, The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Uh, we do indeed find a lot of hurtful things and a lot of things maybe to complain about in life, but most of us can say, God has been great to us. God's been good to me. He's been good to my family. We are just swimming around in the ocean of God's goodness. And I'm not, that's not to say that everything has always gone right. We've never had a time of being sick, that we've never suffered, that we've never lost someone that we love. We've all had those experiences. But even including those experiences, we can still say, God's been good to me. God has blessed me. Oh, how the world needs to hear God's people say, God has been good to me. God loves me. God's taking care of me. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. My, my life is full of God's goodness. When we think about how great our God is, how wonderful God is, what a blessing He is, there are these four and multitudes of other reasons why we can bless Him, why we can praise Him. The big question for us is tonight, is are we? Are we? Um, we can come into a place like this and lift up our voice in praise. We can. We should. Have you folks watching at home, if you bust out in song and sing along when we're singing, God bless you. Go out on your deck. <laughs> Take your phone. And sing loud enough for your neighbors to hear you. Try it. Get up in the morning and just let out a praise to, the, praise to God. Praise the Lord. Because as important as it is, and it is important for us to come in this place and fill this place up with the praise of God. That's important. Oh, how the world needs to see the beauty on our countenance that comes when we praise the Lord. You want to talk about smiling? Uh, try to say it without. Sometimes our smile might have a tear running out down here. Sometimes a smile is just in our soul, but it's there. Because we've thought of how great our God is, how good he's been to us. How his word is trustworthy. How his work is true. How God loves the right. And how God fills my life with goodness. Can you praise God that way? You can't praise God that way if you don't know him. You might see God in a, in a vicious portrayal that someone has given you. A caricature of God. Not the real God. Not as he is. Just how somebody has made him out to be to you. You see God as something terrible. Oh, listen, I want you to know the God who sent Jesus Christ to die for your sins and mine so that he came not to do his own will, but the will of him that sent him. That's the Father. I want you to know the God that loves us so much that he gave 
his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you don't know God through Jesus Christ, you don't know him. But you can. It's all about understanding that he died on the cross for your sins. And if you'll believe on him, he'll save you. And forgive you of your sins and be your Savior. The Holy Spirit, as we talked about this morning, will come and live inside of you. And you will experience a constant reason to praise Him. Hope you'll do that tonight. Let's stand together, please.